Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 375, air date October 17th, 2018. Hello everyone, this is Dr. Shiva Ayadur. I'm on a video roll today. I have this great setup here, but I wanted to use this to really put out a bunch of videos. The last video I put out was really talking about racism, why it's important to understand that, the other concept of why it's important to have independence of thought. What I want to talk about today is my policy uh, for actually helping us have amazing health care at 75% of the cost. Um, it took me a while from a system standpoint to really understand the healthcare system, to unravel it, and to really find a solution that works. And it turns out it's quite simple once you really unravel this and the problem is the career politicians most of them are pretty stupid and they don't really care about you what they care about is getting in office and the lawyer lobbyists essentially want to sustain themselves so they make it really complicated so no one understands what the heck is going on and i've really figured it out and i have a way of explaining that to you in a very simple way first of all you you heard me use the word system and i want to uh, basically teach you systems in a very quick way uh, so you really get it. And the best way to think about it is the following. If you think about this diagram right here, I think we can see it here. What you see is here's five balls, little drawings I did to keep it simple. Now these, consider these parts of a system. So we have five parts of a system. The important thing in all systems is that it's not the number of parts, but it's how they're interconnected. Just to give you an example, since we're on genes and DNA, um, in 1995, when they started doing the Human Genome Project, the biologists and scientists mistakenly thought that the complexity of an organism was a function of the number of genes, which means the number of parts. We knew in 1995 a worm had around 20,000 genes, so we assumed, well, a human being is around 5, 10 times, 20 times more complex. So the assumption was we had about a half a million genes, parts. Well, the, the irony of the entire Human Genome Project was when it ended, in 2003, it turns out we only have about 20,000 genes. We have the same number of genes or parts as a worm. What really matters is how those parts interconnect with other things and how they're interconnected. So going back to this set of parts from systems theory, if you have these five parts, they can be connected in different ways. One way to connect those five parts is like this. You get something that looks like a kite, right? That's one way to connect them. Another way to connect it is, you know, sort of in a straight line, a different type of connection. Another way to construct it is a little more complex where you see um, a number of connections here, okay? So there are multiple ways to connect parts and you get very different types of systems, highly connected systems, complex systems, etc. Now, when you look at the healthcare system, this should be how we should be connected. You're the patient. You should be able to directly get care from your local family practitioner. By the way, 80% of the healthcare problems can be solved by your um, uh, direct healthcare provider. And you should be able to go get great food. Food is also medicine. And the other piece here is you should be able to go get the medicines you need directly. This is one way to connect the healthcare system. But the way it's actually connected, and this is actually simplifying, but this gives you the level of complexity is this. You're the patient here, and there's all these middlemen. You have insurance companies, you have hospitals, you have pharmaceutical uh, companies, you have GPOs, you have 
PBMs and big ag, and they get in the way of getting to your doctor, your medicines, and your food. To put it that simply, now it gets more complex, but, the, but you get the idea. We don't have this kind of relationship, a direct one-on-one -on -one local relationship. What we have is we have this kind of relationship. And why does this exist? And what has it resulted for us? It's my puppies here, so you're gonna put up with them. But the reason this is occurring is the entire system is high cost. And to put it simply, a 50 cents hamburger, as a friend of mine told me, is selling for half a million dollars. But let's really understand it. This is an interesting curve. What you see here is year over year, for example, in the development of pharmaceuticals, we spend more and more and more money on research spending and we get less and less new drugs being created. The entire pharmaceutical innovation process is broken. We spend lots of money, anywhere between three to five billion dollars over 15 years to create a single medicine, lots of side effects, and the FDA is allowing less and less because they create all these side effects. So that's one thing. And is this healthcare system that we have currently working? Well, this is gonna sort of shock you, but you, what you see from these numbers is that the infant mortality rates in America are the highest among the developed nations. So we have six out of a thousand, and in the rest of the world, it's 3.6 out of a thousand. So we're not doing that well for supposedly all this money we pay and all the big insurance. Now, if you look at women's maternal mortality rates, which means um, uh, women dying from childbirth, look at this, 26 out of 100,000, and in the rest of the developed nations, it's 8.4 out of 100,000. That's where we're at. It's not good relative comparison. And year over year, this is what's going on. Healthcare costs are going up. 2000 was 1.2 trillion. Now we're about 3.3 trillion, we're about here. And we're gonna be heading up to where one out of $3 is gonna be spent by 2020 on healthcare. So that means roughly we spend $10,000 per person or per worker per person for healthcare. My solution can bring that down to $2,500. And by the way, one uh, reason this occurs, in addition to the other stuff I, I shared with you, is that if you go to the ER and you get an aspirin pill, you're gonna actually, the cost of that, that they're charging insurance, et cetera, is around $30 per pill, when you could get you know, uh, a whole bottle for five bucks. This is what's the racket that's actually going on. And getting back to, is this really helping us? And how do hospitals, big hospitals really operate? Well, the third cause of death in the United States after heart attack and cancer is medical mistakes that occur in hospitals. So that's where we're at. So hope, hopefully you understand the actual problem. Now, why is this occurring? And the reason this is occurring is that it's all about cost. The costs are way too high. And what do you see in this picture? This is what I call, everyone's talking about Russian collusion. The big collusion is really this. Big insurance companies colluding with big pharma companies with big hospitals. And the way they collude is they want to keep the price of things high. If you go into a hospital and you walk into the hospital, hopefully, God forbid, you don't have to, but if you go into a hospital, everything in that hospital, all the supplies are coming through three three middlemen called GPOs, Group Purchasing Organizations. These guys essentially control the supply chain of a bedpan, catheters, uh, staplers, everything. A $5 stapler in a hospital is going for 25 bucks. They've cranked the price up so high that you say, oh my God, if something happens to me, I need insurance. 
They are the middlemen between everything that goes into the hospital. Similarly, for pharmaceuticals, you have PBMs, which control the supply chain into, into, uh, into, the, into the pharmacies. So you can get stuff in the hospital or you can go outpatient when you get drugs. These three sets of, two sets of these three middlemen control all of that. By the way, this is not discussed in the mainstream media. It's not discussed by these career politicians because they get kickbacks from all of these guys. In fact, hospital administrators get kickbacks. Starting in late 80s and 2000, kickbacks were allowed. One of the things we need to do is we need to get rid of them and eliminate the Safe Harbor Act for this corruption. But how do we really reduce the healthcare costs? Well, right now, if you think about you as an individual, you may be paying all these types of healthcare costs. If you're elderly, Medicare, if you're indigent and Medicaid, some out of pocket, and then you may also have private insurance. These are the four different types of costs you may end up paying. And you as a person um, are essentially stuck between, or even the doctor, more interesting, is stuck in a, between the big hospitals, big universities, and medical schools. So a doctor, for example, the cost for that doctor, the reason they're high is a doctor has to go four years undergraduate, then they have to go to four years medical school and at least two to four years specialization. My goal is we eliminate the need to go to four years undergraduate. You should be able to go right from high school right to medical school. You immediately lower the debt burden for that doctor. They're not gonna go join big hospitals. They're gonna join private practice or their own practice. Right now we've lost close to a quarter of a million doctors over the last 20 years because they have huge debt and they go join big hospitals which crank up the fees. The other important thing that you need to understand is innovation in medicine is really costly because of a racket of the National Institute of Health, big universities, and peer-reviewed journals. We do very little really cutting-edge breakthrough science because there's a racketeering that takes place between the people who sit on the boards of the National Institute of Health, people who sit on the major journals which are determining what is new science, and these and and big universities nearly 60 to 70 percent of the nih funding which means your money is going to the big guys harvard where elizabeth warren comes out yale and stanford etc so you have a big set of people who are actually controlling innovation so when you actually look at this what it turns out is this is the what i call the properties of a system that they have and what this means is that in this centralized system costs go up innovation goes down Respons responsiveness to care comes down. Crisis, everything is all crisis, crisis, crisis. You go to a hospital with a simple cut, they make it a big issue because they wanna crank the cost up. And prevention goes down, they don't care about prevention. In a real right model of healthcare, it's decentralized back to you and your physician. Again, 80% of the stuff can be handled by the local physician. We increase innovation by really unleashing funds everywhere to state universities local universities etc we also support research and alternative care we increase responsiveness to care if you're dealing with your local doctor and you have a local relationship he's going to actually have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you versus a big hospital it shouldn't all be about specialization it should be about 80 percent of most of the stuff can be handled not as a crisis and fundamentally we need to really focus on prevention so let me uh, close with really talking about this. What is the cost of care? Well, if you, I've said it's about 3.7 trillion when you include everything. But out of that 3.7 trillion, for if you look at the circle, for the 300 million of us, it's about 1.6 trillion. Now, the interesting thing is most of 
the high cost of care is really going into 18 million people who spend about 80% uh, or 70% of that cost of care, the 18 million people. And those 18 million people break up into the following amount. So just to be clear, out of the 300 million people, the 1.6 trillion goes to, 18 million of those people are where nearly 70% of the costs are going. They're going to three things. As you see in this inner circle, which is about, actually it's not 70%, it's 60%. It's going into what we call catastrophic events, like a major heart attack, end of life, and it's going into chronic care. Now the politicians lie to everyone saying, oh, most of the cost is going to end of life. But when you look at this, it's only 10%. So end of life is only 10%, which is a very small amount. So instead of focusing on this, let's look at the other 90%. 50% is catastrophic care and 40% is chronic. Catastrophic care is some heart attack occurs. However, it turns out, even if a heart attack occurs, if someone really takes care of their health, you know, eats right, etc., in one year they move into the low-cost care. The other piece is among the chronic care where people have certain diseases like, you know, type 2 diabetes, they're constantly ill. Again, preventative programs can really help that. So when you look at both of these, that's where prevention, food, exercise, all these things can really help get people out of this region into this region. Again, we don't incentivize that. In fact, we incentivize the alternative. Elizabeth Warren, for example, voted for the Monsanto Protection Act. The food in this country is highly poisoned. 80% of Americans, however, do want organic food. You wanna eat clean food, I wanna eat clean food. So when you really look at the end of this, uh, the, or the opportunity is we can lower the cost by 75%. How do we do that? Even before we attack the systemic issues. Number one, we support the ability to go to direct physician care. You have a direct relationship with your physician. There's an emerging growth. There's about 2,000 physicians now in the United States. You can pay them 50 to 75 bucks directly. You take ownership of your health care. You take control of your health care. And you have a direct relationship with that individual. And you get 80% handled. Scratches, bug bites, you know, falls, and basic stuff gets handled there. Then you have, in my proposal, crisis care. You directly have a relationship with the big catastrophic insurance companies and in the event, catastrophic events take place. And in that model, what you've done is you pay around 50 bucks here, maybe another 100, 200 bucks there, but when you work it out, it's about $200 per month. $2,500 versus 10,000. I'm, I'm close to paying $10,000 a year right now. That's how we just get to great healthcare at lower cost before we even start cleaning up the GPOs and the kickbacks. So what I'm trying to tell everyone is real health means you get direct access to great food, you get direct access to low cost medicine, and you get great care at a lower cost by having a direct relationship with your physician. That's how we get real health. Again, anyone wanna know what my policy on health is, you can listen to this video. Again, Shiva for Senate. If any one of you, again, wants a road warrior magnet for uh, getting out the fact that only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian, you can email us at shiva at shivaforsenate.com if you're in Massachusetts. We'll get them to you, no cost. You can pick them up at one of, one of our centers. If you're outside of Massachusetts, just donate 10 bucks for the shipping and we'll get it out to you. Anyway, Shiva for Senate. Remember, only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. Thank you.